That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Thanks for being with us. And while we'd like to answer the really big questions like what happened to that big red tsunami and who should MAGA patriots fire? Not for losing the great big red tsunami, but for letting the corporate Marxist media, the Marxist Dems, play the dullards and the GOP leadership in the raising of unrealistic and what turned out to be unachievable expectations. As we're talking, there's a serious question about four states remaining. How long will it take for Arizona, Nevada, and Alaska to decide? And of course, Georgia, because it has a runoff election, between Warnock and Walker set for December 6, less than a percent of the votes separating the two men. And there's the awesome amount of money that was spent in these midterm elections. There's also the question of whether big donors to the two parties are getting their money's worth. We worry about that kind of thing, don't we? Almost $17 billion on state and federal elections in 50 states, the most money ever spent on a midterm election. And I have a big question, my own, about why we let big money influence our elections at all. I'm getting just a little tired of what should be called in any other country, oligarchs. Far too much influence, far too much power in the United States. The balance of power in the Senate still hanging and Joe Biden looking good. He stayed out of sight for the last few days of the election and still outperformed his old boss, Barack Obama. Fewer seats lost in the House and Senate than Obama, who famously took a shellacking in his midterm elections. And of course, the Republicans will be settling big questions about their leadership in the House and the Senate. Very quickly, in fact, by design, of course, McConnell and McCarthy don't want any opposition to have time to organize around any other candidates. That may happen anyway, we'll see. The election for Speaker comes on the 15th of November, less than a week away. The election for Majority Minority Leader takes place the next day, the 16th. To give us some perspective and insight on these issues and more, our guest today is Congressman Andy Biggs, elected to four terms now in the U.S. House of Representatives, serving on the very important House Judiciary and Oversight Committees. Welcome back to The Great America Show, Congressman. Good to have you with us. Let's start with a leadership issue. Is Kevin McCarthy the right man to lead the Republicans in the House? Well, first of all, Lou, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you again. I, I, I always love our conversations and our chats and because you actually get to the heart of some of the most uh, important issues. And, so, and one of them is, what, what will the Republican leadership do? And I keep telling people, you know, I, I think, first of all, I think Kevin's probably the presumptive nominee and then ultimately the speaker. Um, I, I think that's the case probably. Um, but the question is, will, for instance, will we do the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas? Well, as you know, um, I introduced articles of impeachment well over a year ago. And things have only gotten worse. And and 
And so, but Kevin has already kind of said, well, maybe we don't want to do impeachments. No, no, we do. The American people want him held accountable. And then, uh, but I will say on the other investigations, whether it's Hunter Biden or Fauci or uh, DOJ weaponization, or maybe even the J6 uh, abuse of the, of, the, of the prisoners, you know, pretrial deta- detention of people for almost two years now. Uh, I do know, because uh, I, I sit on these committees, we've actually been working on who needs to be subpoenaed, how we're going to bring them in, and the Judiciary Committee has released a, 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 a more than 1,000-page study on the weaponization of of the DOJ, and so right. we'll use that as a guidepost. So I hope so, Lou. I, I, I'm with you. I, I hope we do something. We can't we can't fiddle around this time. You know, this is this election is what I styled as existential throughout, uh, and I really I mean every word I've said. If if, uh, if Republicans don't understand that this is their one last chance to be a serious party. Uh, you know, the the Democrats don't have dinos, but the Republicans are blessed with rhinos. Uh, <laughs> why, why is it that there are no dinos in the Democrat Party and the Republicans have got so many? Uh, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a curse on the party, uh, and it's really destroying uh, the, the prospects for an even greater nation. Because even though the Republicans win, uh, the, it looks like the establishment wins with them every time. Yeah, I mean, so you're asking a question that I, I, I always answer this way. I say the reason that the Democrats always stay together, even when they go to crazy town on the left, which is where they are now, they're just out of touch with America. It's because they're collectivists. And they're used to this hierarchical collectivist mentality, so they don't they don't think outside of the herd. And I do think that the problem that we have on the Republican side, which is not really a problem in some ways, but it turns out to be a terrible problem, is that most Republicans are very independent individualists, um, and so we want our freedoms protected. They don't they don't the Democrats don't view it that way. Now the Rhino problem. That's because you got people who just simply like power and want to keep it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. I would style it perhaps just a little differently. I think that the the radical Dems in this country, the Marxist Dems, have shown themselves to be authoritarian, uh, totalitarian impulses, obviously running throughout this administration with this puppet president. Uh, it's clear his his cabal, uh, his puppet masters, uh, are, are without question totalitarian. Uh, but with the Republicans, I think there's also, if I may say, I mean, Andy, this is, there is in the Republican Party almost a defeatist uh, culture uh, that I, as I, I just don't understand it. They want to take orders from the Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce has made it clear there's only going to be, there are going to be two parties involved, and they're going to run both of them. Uh, I, I mean, that's the way I took the rejection of Kevin McCarthy's demand that they get rid of the current CEO uh, and was rebuffed. I, I mean, they effectively told him that you're 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 at best 50 percent of the deal right now. Yeah, you know, and, and one of the reasons, too, Lou, is that for whatever reason, too many Republicans. But I think it's because we're nicer people than the Democrats. But 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 they don't want to fight. 
You know, they don't want to fight. They don't use the same tools. That's the thing that Donald Trump did so well is he said, you know, people didn't like him, his mean tweets. But the reality is Donald Trump knew how to fight and he would fight for what he believed was right. And that's where Republicans have to be. And that's why uh, the Freedom Caucus exists, for instance. That's why, why we keep pushing back, some of us, on all of this stuff, because there's a really a uniparty, kind of a swampy thing that President Trump talked about, and it covers both parties. And so it is constantly, at least to my way of thinking, a necessity to push back and fight for, let's say, transparency for one. Uh, let's say just all, fundamentally for the freedoms of American people. And, and fundamentally also to change the institution so it goes back to being the small federal system where states have more power than the federal government, and that um, that the very classic language of the Constitution, which says you have to meet at least one time per year in the in in the Constitution, as as Congress, that that wouldn't that be great if that was that we only met one time a year because the states were doing most of the heavy lifting and Congress wasn't. That well, requires I, I, fight, Lou. That, that requires fight. Yeah, and, and there are. A, an increasing number of uh, what I will call traditional Republicans, uh, strong Republicans with strong views uh, on limited government uh, and uh, empowerment of the state government, as you're describing it, uh, and the individual. I mean, when we have to have a fight over whether or not parents are domestic terrorists or not when they're pleading for their children at a school board meeting, I mean, we've really, we've really descended to a level I don't think anyone could have anticipated even 20 years ago, but that's where we are. And the Republicans have not been uh, vociferous. They haven't been strong. Uh, they should be out slamming every table, uh, demanding parental rights. And uh, and I don't think it should be a matter of national politics. I would expect every congressman, every senator in his or her home state to be absolutely, without any question whatsoever, demanding that those school boards wake up and pay attention and start stripping uh, gender uh, transitioning and sex education from the curricula of K through 12 right now. Uh, it's ignorant and it's ridiculous. I agree 100%. And that's and that's the point is, is sometimes um, uh, Democrats always fight. They will always fight. They will use every tool in the toolbox. And when I, when I say I want to use every tool in the toolbox, people will say, Andy, you can't be as mean as them. I can't. That's true. I cannot be as mean with them. But that doesn't mean I don't have the tools to use to go after and hold them accountable on everything from the crazy stuff that you're talking about in the you know gender mutilation and and uh, grooming children as uh, young as kindergarten and pre preschool. Uh, CRT. We've got uh, to stand up. Yes, all of that. Yeah, you've got to stand up and fight, and you need to use every tool. And um, I, I get criticized by some of my own Republican colleagues for, for using those tools. They say, Andy, um, you know, you, you're losing your credibility. And I said, for what? Standing up for the American people? Yeah. What, is, what tools is that, are you Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, good for you. You mentioned tools. I mean, what tools are available to you, to to congressmen and women uh, who should be uh, pushing back against all of this and making certain that uh, the left isn't dissolving the Constitution at the local and state level? 
Well, the first thing in Congress, you've got you've got the tools of must-pass legislation. Why in the world did uh, 18 Republican senators help the Democrats pass a continuing resolution? What that did is that basically, you know, because Mitch McConnell said we don't want to shut down the government in midterm election. You know what it did? It took away a tool, which is the leverage of budgeting. That is actually one of the great things that the founders gave the Congress, particularly the House of Representatives. Republicans in the House, um, we voted against that CR. But the senators, they in the Senate, they needed to get 60 votes. Right. And 18 Republican senators went. And that's the problem. That was McConnell. That was Mitch McConnell that went along with that. And and. Uh, outrageous and disgraceful, and I'm. I tell you what, Lou, it, it ends up on December 16th, and I'm. I'm really concerned that um, we might have some senators because the the Democrats control the House, so they'll get they'll get their thing out, their bill out, but then it'll happen in the Senate if they get their votes, they may do something crazy like give up a whole year's worth of leverage by passing a, a continuing resolution all the way through the fiscal year, which is next September. And if that happens, the number one most powerful leverage tool that we have that says, you know, Joe Biden, we don't care what you say, you're going to start enforcing the law or, or we're not going to pass, uh, you know, a budget that, that works or we're going to – and we just – we define the budget right. and make him well, veto it. Well, a question here is if, if indeed Kevin McCarthy is the speaker, will the leadership in the House be strong enough to use the power of the purse, which is the purview – of the House of Representatives, I, I I hope so. I've been told yes, but you know uh, it, it, the proof is in the pudding, Lou. And and in this instance, past history should be referred to. And um, the fact that he's already said that he's leery to impeach anybody, it makes me very very concerned. Although he said that, and and the, he's allowed judiciary and oversight to already begin prepping for these hearings uh, to, to hold people accountable that way. Uh, but I'm just telling you, if you don't hold people accountable through an impeachment, somebody somebody deserves it, which is which is Alejandro Mayorkas more than anybody I've seen in recent years. How about Merrick Garland? Uh, well, he's right there, too. I mean, well, the problem is every, you name a cabinet official in the, in the Biden administration that shouldn't be removed. I can't think of one. I can't think yeah. of any. In the case, so, I, agree, me, I agree with you. Merrick Garland and yeah. uh, Alejandro Mayorkas come to mind because they are so uh, aggressively uh, vicious uh, in uh, in refusing to carry out their constitutional responsibilities. In fact, uh, acting against the interest of the United States, whether it be an open border, whether it be a uh, you know a, a raid on a former president's home. It, it, it's it, it just boggles the mind to think what this administration has brought to Washington, which was rancid to the core uh, before them. I don't know how to describe it now other than the stench is uh, ever stronger uh, in the swamp. Let, let's let's turn yeah. to the, the the proposition. That that uh, Ronna McDaniel would have the temerity to sit down on Sunday television and say that the Republicans will work with Joe Biden on a host of issues uh, as if this were a simpleton's uh, uh, model here uh, where you meet halfway on an issue, uh, an issue like a border. Shall we have the border 
instead of 2,000 miles wide open, make it 1,000 miles open? Would that be a compromise? Uh, if we cut half the deaths from fentanyl, would that be satisfactory to the Republicans and Democrats? I mean, this is a kind of idiocy coming from the RNC chair that, frankly, I would have expected. I never expected her to actually articulate uh, that nonsense in, in public speaking for the Republican Party. Your your thoughts? Look, the American people, if they, you know, when they elected the people that they've elected, uh, in response to Biden's uh, malfeasance in office, to say that we're going to work with Joe Biden basically spits in their eye. The reality is they want us to fix the problems. And the way you fix the problems is not with a radicalized Joe Biden who has proven that he is as every bit as radical and more so than even Bernie Sanders and AOC and company. The way you have to deal with them is use our leverage points, and those are must-pass pieces of legislation. Those are bringing in people that that you have to you you have oversight authority on, and means bringing back the Holman Rule that you can actually uh, defund individual bureaucrats who fail to follow the law. It means that you impeach those who need to be impeached. It, it means you use every tool in the toolbox. And if if Joe Biden at that point says Okay, I'm willing to actually enforce Title VIII. I'm uh, uh, detention until uh, uh, immigration status is determined. Then, then maybe you can start working with somebody like that. But right now, it is lawless. He's lawless, and his administration is lawless. And that is hard for me to understand how you can say, well, we're going to work with a tyrant. We're going to work with somebody who's basically abrogated the the rule of law and has destroyed this country for a generation to come um, through the his his policies. That's tough for me to believe that somebody seriously is suggesting we do that. Yeah, and, and good for you. And let's be very direct here. Joe Biden is a corrupt individual in the White House of the United States. He's there because an election was not simply rigged and stolen, but it was it was carried out by 51 intelligence uh, veterans, uh, including five former CIA directors who lied about the Hunter Biden laptop uh, in the days before the second and final presidential debate. They protected Joe Biden uh, from the truth and they denied the American people the truth. Uh, it, it was an absolute disaster. And they changed history. And that is a, a matter of historic and factual record. William Barr, the attorney general for President Trump, uh, betrayed uh, both the president and the American people uh, in that month. And just as, uh, you know, it's, it's just an awful moment. And, and we, there has to be an accounting. Absolutely. And that's, that's part of, of this uh, weaponization of the FBI. So for political purposes, just think about the disparity here. So for political purposes, you have uh, Hunter Biden's laptop suppressed, right? And at the same time, um, you you have throwing out there this constant Russian hoax garbage uh, to try to, to uh, basically delegitimize President Trump's administration and his reelection. And so they picked winners and losers in the election. But it isn't just that. I mean, we can go back to the uh, the IT gate where you had that uh, the Awan family 
um, with 45 Democrats in the House. They sat on that. They suppressed the evidence of that, of what really was going on. Uh, and that was just, uh, uh, you know, in 2017, for Pete's sake. So, so and there's a whole gambit, a ga- a gamut of this stuff. And it, I, I find myself just uh, pulling my hair out that when, when Republicans immediately, they, they acquiesce, they negotiate against themselves, and uh, in the end, they lay the foundation to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory because we can win this thing. But we're about, if we don't do what we're supposed to do, if we don't keep faith with the people who vote for us, who elect us, then we will fail. We will fail them, and we will fail this country, and we will lose their trust. And that means we'll lose elections for many years to come. We are looking at a number of people who are stepping into leadership roles. Do they have the fire in the belly and the strength of spine to do as you are suggesting? to take the battle for the leadership of the House conference, uh, the Republican conference, and make certain that they are being, that they are our leaders in place, not people who are following uh, the, <laughs> the uh, dictates of the Chamber of Commerce and perhaps even the Democratic Party. I, I believe they do. I believe they do. I, I've been talking with uh, James Comer, from Kentucky, who's the oversight chair, and Jim Jordan now for for literally months about uh, when we get the majority back. This is what we we need to do. And I, of course, always emphasize impeach Mayorkas. I always emphasize you, you need to have uh, uh, Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks brought to brought to account. You need to bring Hunter Biden. You need to bring in the FBI guys uh, and DOJ people who've abused parents. Uh, who who are just going to school boards, um, and and they've agreed with me, and actually have done the prep work I think is necessary. They've sent out, you know, the the they always telegraph this, but they sent out the the preservation letters. They've they've been doing research. Yeah. They've been having their staff work on that. I always remember how how loud Trey Gowdy was, uh, the chair of the Benghazi committee when Paul Ryan said there's going to be a serious investigation of Hillary Clinton. And what we watched was Kabuki Theater. It was a stage play, uh, and it was a joke from top to bottom. Uh, It was an insult to the intelligence of the American people. And by the way, not an insult to the intelligence of the media because they fell for the nonsense, most of it, uh, and got away with it. Uh, If we see a repeat of that, I guarantee you the Republican Party will be uh, in shambles. Uh, There just isn't the stomach amongst the American people, in my judgment, to put up with any more nonsense. Uh, And when you say impeachment, impeachment is fine. If it's factual, it's fast uh, and uh, founded on the interest of the nation uh, rather than, uh, you know, putting up a show. Because we've had enough show committees like, J6. Uh, I, I just wonder. I just I, I have a terrible, terrible feeling in the pit of my stomach that there's still too many rhinos uh, who are posing as serious, serious Republicans uh, and citizens to get the job done. I hope I'm wrong, but I have that feeling. I, I want to get your reaction to it. I, I, I have that terrible feeling as well. Um, uh, right now, uh, I'm hopeful, um, but 
cautious because uh, we've seen this game before. Um, I've heard rhetoric before. Um, but look, if, if this is just performance art, it's not going to do us a bit of good, and it will undermine everything that this country needs at this time. And not only undermine what this country needs, but if you, if you care about the Republican Party, because I do think the platform is the right platform, which is why I stay a Republican, right? I mean, it's, it's what we should be right. doing. If we don't do it, Lou, um, I think you're right. I think that we will lose trust. And if you want the mark, think of let's watch what we do between January 3rd and the end of September of 2023. That will tell us everything because, as you know, you start moving into an election year and you're moving into a presidential election cycle as well. And so everything else stagnates at Congress. So you got really about eight to 10 months max for the, for the House of Representatives and the Senate to do some, some meaningful things. And uh, that means they have to act fast, they have to be organized, and that we, our leadership has got to have courage and the backbone and the spine to go out and do what needs to be done. And that's, it isn't just about holding the Biden administration accountable. It's about trying to get your policy through by using the leverage points we've already discussed. Right. No, I, I think that makes perfect sense. I, I'm going to say, though, uh, I, would, I would look to what has been done by the Republican Party by July 4th. Uh, they're, they're, mm -hmm. If it isn't done and if it isn't set and if the parameters aren't established and the goals published uh, and a transparent, open declaration of war against corruption, uh, against a, a party that is, is Marxist-led uh, and opposition uh, and without real achievement, and I'm talking about actually moving Mayorkas out of office, I'm talking about biden understanding that this republican congress will not put up with any more uh anti-american policies or actions on the part of the executive ever again if that isn't all underway uh, by I, i'd say february and clearly in front of the american public then i think it's a hopeless uh, hopeless cause uh, and a an opportunity for the Republican Party to be the countervailing uh, domestic influence to uh, what is a Marxist-led Democrat Party. I, I, I just think it's that straightforward, that simple, and in that time frame. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right uh, in the sense that it could it could be, but July, whatever it is, it's it's whether it's six months or nine months, you don't have a lot of time. You can't dance around. Um, just talking. You can't do uh, uh, a, you know, a, a dance. You can't do a, a, this performance art for six, eight months and then say, well, you know, we never had the presidency. So go ahead now, elect the House, the Senate, and they give us the presidency too. People are not stupid. They won't buy it. They won't trust us. You have to keep trust. And you keep trust by doing what you said you would do. And the American people are telling us what they want. And they want People held accountable. They want they want cheap to get back to cheap gas. They want to be able to live their lives uh, without uh, deciding. Well, I can't afford this this uh, brand of bread. I'm going to have to buy this brand of bread, which I don't like, but it's cheaper because we simply can't afford it. You, this in this economy, this border, this crime, what's going on in the schools, uh, our weakness around the world. People know and understand all of that. And we have to address that immediately. 
Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Uh, I, I just would like to, as, as we wrap up here, uh, we have left out one subject, and that is America first, make America great. Right now, we have a, a conflict within the Republican Party about President Trump uh, and, uh, in particular, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. Uh, this is a president who has been uh, persecuted for for seven years. If Without Donald Trump, the Republicans wouldn't have much to talk about and indeed would have accomplished very little indeed. Uh, give us your sense of who is the presumptive leader of the Republican Party and who is in the strongest position to lead the party from 24 onward? Well, I'd say right now, um, President Trump is the presumptive leader of the Republican Party. He is by far going to win the, the primary if, if he decides to run, which I think he probably has. He's going to win that, and he's going to go forward. Uh, and uh, I believe that he can win the, the election in 2024. And then he will lead it for those four years. And then, and then I think at that point, Ron DeSantis will have finished his second term uh, mid, midway through that, about 2026. And Ron uh, can work because I think he'd be a great uh, successor to Donald Trump. And I think he'd come in and, and have a shot to win in 2028, provided, and it gets back to this whole thing, Lou, provided Republicans do what they say they're going to do. Um, and we watched the establishment and the rhinos undercut President Trump everywhere they could. They tried to undercut him. And if the uh, House... he's still got. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And he's still got some great things done. I mean, look, I could tell you the border. Uh, he brought it under control. Uh, not not perfect, but as close to operational control Gina? as I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, when you go through the list of accomplishments, as we and we're all thankful to him for that, if it were not for him, the Republicans wouldn't have a single element to talk about because none of that That's right. legislation, none of those agenda items uh, were the product of the House Republicans or the certainly the Senate Republicans. And by the way, one of the reasons you guys have to succeed is McConnell is helping the Dems everywhere defeat Republicans, whether it's pulling money from the candidates as he did for the midterm elections, uh, whether it is indeed uh, working with them on uh, compromises that are really simply an acquiescence to Marxist Dem uh, policies. Uh, that is critical and laying the right. foundation for an, a, a second uh, second Trump administration. We always give our guests here, as you know, Congressman, the last word. Uh, your your concluding thoughts. Well, I'd say, Lou, you and I still live in the best country in the history of the world. It's under attack existentially. Um, and we get to stand in the breach, and we're doing that. But the American people, they want the country they expect and know to be free and prosperous and enduring, and um, that means defeating President Biden and his minions at every step, every step. Thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lou. Always good to be with you. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Our guest tomorrow is Tom Fitton, president of Judicial Watch. Please join us for that and more. Till then, God bless you, and may God bless America.